Welcome to episode number 26 of the John Riley Project. It's New Year's Eve, the final day of 2018. We're at the finish line. Hope you're having a great holiday uh, season and um, you know, be safe out there today on, in, on New Year's Eve. It's, it's a little bit wet and blustery out there, so be safe, be sane. And wishing you all a great 2019 coming up. Hey, we got a great episode in store for you today. We're talking sports the whole way through. We're talking local sports. We're talking high school sports. We're talking Padres. We're going to touch a little bit on on Chargers. We're going to get into Ironman triathlons. We got a lot of different things we're going to get into. So. Um, but before we get started, I just want to say, hey, thank you. Thank you to everybody that's been listening on the podcast platforms like um, iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. And thank you to everybody that's watching on YouTube. Really appreciate it. I invite you to join me on social media and continue the conversation. All the links to my social media accounts are available on my website at johnreillyproject.com. If you're interested in being a supporter, you can also be a sponsor. If you're a business and you'd like to get involved, you could be a sponsor, or maybe you just like to be a donor. We'd love to have you. There are ways that you can get involved to contribute, or maybe you just want to continue the conversation. Send me a note. Let me know what you think. Um, always interested in, in feedback, positive, negative, and otherwise, let me have it. Love to hear from you. Um, hey, this is the final episode of 2018. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, local politics in Poway and, and Rancho Bernardo and, and this general inland San Diego, North County inland area. And I'm going to continue to do that. But I want to get into a lot of other issues in this podcast. You know, we've had a lot of interviews in the past. I'm going to still do a lot more interviews in the future. But in between interviews, I'm going to fill the gaps with these solo podcasts and I'll offer commentary on local news and politics. I'm going to offer commentary on sports. And that's what we're doing tonight. And I'm going to get into national issues and I'm just going to be all over the place, basically talking about issues that I enjoy talking about. And hopefully you'll enjoy it with me. So let's talk sports. Um, and number one, I, I want to give a huge congratulations to the football team at Cathedral Catholic High School. I mean, you guys had a fantastic season. Um, runners up in the state of California. I know you had a, a great Southern California State Championship. We've talked in the past um, about Jaden Dye. You know, he's a local guy here in the Poway RB area. Had that big game-winning, game-clinching interception to seal the deal in the Southern California Championship. Uh, Cathedral Catholic came up short, went to overtime, and lost 21-14 to Folsom. And I think Folsom's up near Sacramento, if I recall. But man, you guys had a great season, a lot to be proud of. Hold your heads up high. And, you know, I just want to say the Cathedral Catholic program is a really interesting sports program. You know, unlike a lot of the other public schools, they have the ability to recruit. And so a lot of times they've got fantastic athletes at Cathedral Catholic. I mean, we got them here in a lot of the public schools, too. But in some ways, it's a little bit of a different playing field. Um, the Cathedral Catholic School has great facilities, great resources. They can recruit players from all over the county and beyond. Um so a remarkable program. I enjoy following it. 
And, you know, always a, a big win whenever one of the public high schools can beat Cathedral. Uh, but, hey, you guys had a great season in football. Congratulations to you. And, um, hey, you know, it's we're turning the page. Now it's basketball season. It's soccer season. We're going to get in a baseball in the spring, and you guys are probably going to still be fantastic because you usually are. But uh, anyways, props to the Cathedral Catholic football team. Great job. Hey, let's talk a little bit of hoops, uh, high school hoops. Um, you know, geez, we can talk high school hoops all across the county, and there's a lot of great stories in the county. My focus is still in this in this area that's really encompassed by the Poway Unified School District. And we've got fi- uh, five big high school sports programs here. They're all playing in the Palomar League, so it's a perfect place for us to to focus and see how everyone's doing. And, you know, we're, we're right now right around New Year's, and this is really close to the point where league play is going to start. So prior to um, league play, the teams play out-of-conference games. So there'll be teams in San Diego County. Rather than playing the teams within Palomar League, they'll play teams in the other leagues in San Diego County, maybe even teams from out of county or even out of state. You'll see that in some of these tournaments that happen in late November and throughout the month of December. And then as we get into January, league play will pick up and you'll see all the Palomar League teams playing each other. You know, the Poway Titans, the Rancho Bernardo Broncos, the Del Norte Nighthawks, the Westview Wolverines, the Mount Carmel Sun, uh, the Mount Carmel Sun Devils. They start all playing each other in Palomar League play once we get into January and into February. And that's when it gets really hot and heavy and the rivals, the rivalries kick in. So it's a great time of year. But we're right, kind of right at that cusp. So it's a good time to look at the standings. And if we look in boys basketball, Right now, Poway in first place, 14 and 4. Westview uh, right on their heels at 13 and 4. Uh, the Rancho Bernardo Broncos in third place at 8 and 5. Del Norte, 8 and 5. And then Mount Carmel, um, even money, 7 and 7. And then Mission Vista, 5, 7 and 1. And a note to the commissioner of the league why in the heck is Mission Vista in the Palomar League? It makes no sense. Um, you know, the other five teams are all here in the Poway Unified area, but why the heck is there a team that's on the northern border of, of Oceanside and Bonzel in the Palomar League? Hey, great people, love playing the team there, but it just seemed like an odd fit. But at any rate, um, Mission Vista, 5-7-1, and one, and um, they're at the uh, the bottom of the Palomar League as we head into um, Palomar League play. But, you know, let's take a look at the county. And, you know, the Union Tribune has their own rankings, just like they do in college football and college baseball or uh, college football and basketball on a national level. Well, heck, they do it in baseball, too. Um, but here in San Diego, the Union Tribune has their own uh, top 10 ranking. In first place is Mission Bay. You know, that's the high school with Boogie Ellis, you know, the heralded recruit here in San Diego County. Um, he toyed with going to San Diego State, but he was recruited by the Duke Blue Devils. And so he's leading his team to the number one spot in our local poll. Um, Foothills Christian um, is um, in second place. You know, that's the uh, kind of the private school that's out in the East County where TJ Leaf went to school. They always are producing outstanding basketball talent. Uh, Tory Pines in the three spot, you know, Tory Pines is never awful at any sport. They're usually at the elite level, and for them, a down year is is average. Uh, but Torrey Pines in the number three spot, a lot of uh, outstanding talent on that school. Um, St. Augustine in, in ranked number four, Parker five, La Jolla Country Day six, 
San Marcos 7, and in number 8, the Poway Titans. Palomar League representing in the top 10 here in San Diego County. Number 9, Montgomery. Number 10, Vista. But also receiving votes in the Union Tribune top 10 poll, uh, Cathedral Catholic, who we just spoke about, and the Rancho Bernardo Broncos. So congratulations to those teams um, for... Uh, you know, getting recognition uh, for your outstanding season thus far. I mean, heck, Poway's 14-4, and four, absolutely deserving of a number eight spot. In fact, I think I saw this poll a few weeks ago, and Poway was number nine. So, you know, they're like George Jefferson. They're moving on up, and um, hopefully they'll continue to climb up in the standings as the season progresses. So what's the latest in boys' basketball action? Well, uh, most recent games, Poway defeated Monterey Trail 76-53 to um, last Saturday to take fifth place in the Senators' division of the annual Torrey Pines Holiday Classic Tournament. This tournament attracts talent not just in San Diego County, but from all over the you know, western United States. There are teams that are uh, traveling great distances to play in this tournament. It's It attracts all the elite talent, and they actually classify them into five separate divisions. And at the top division, and I the name escapes me with the top division, but those teams are, you know, typically nationally ranked teams. The players on those teams are, you know, the rosters are loaded with D1 talent, and you'll find that a lot of them are going to end up playing in the NBA. Um, so, it's a great uh, tournament. I know here people here in Poway actually love going to the games and watching it because it's so such outstanding talent. And Poway is actually competing in the Senators division. Remember I said there were five levels. Uh, they're slotted in that third level, which still tremendous competition. Um, and Poway did well. They finished fifth in the Senators division in this particular um, uh uh, tournament and look at the high scores in the game against Monterey Trail. For Poway, we had Adam Severe with 18 points, Lucas Shepard with 17, and Tanner Swindell with 10 points. We've talked about Adam Severe. This kid is something. If you ever had a chance to watch him play, he's listed 5'9. That might be generous, but he's the point guard. He's like Steph Curry out there on the court. He's crafty. He's sneaky. He's deadly from three-point range. He's clutch. Um, just a guy that you would always underestimate that always ends up blowing you out of the water. I saw him perform in the double overtime game last year, Poway against Rancho Bernardo, the best high school basketball game I've ever been to. And he just lit it up in the second quarter, or excuse me, in the second half and into overtime, scored over 30 points. He was just draining him from deep, deep from three-point territory, driving in the lane, making acrobatic moves. Well, Earlier in this term, I follow the Poway Titans Twitter feed, and apparently in one of the games, Poway was down three with 20 seconds left, and sure enough, Adam Severe sinks a three-pointer to tie it with 20 seconds to go, and then just a few moments later, hits a three-pointer at the buzzer to win it for Poway. So this kid is something. And so here he is leading the team again with 18 points. So props to you, Adam Severe, and to the Poway Titans. Their next game is against La, La Costa Canyon, Friday, January 4th at Orange Glen High School at 4 p.m. So a neutral site, probably a tournament of some sort. And um, hey, good luck to you, uh, Poway Titans. Um, the Westview team, um, the Westview Wolverines in boys basketball, also a very strong team. I already said they were 13-4. and four. They defeated Temecula Valley um, last Saturday in the Holiday Hoops Classic at the Mount. 
with a score of 64 to 51. They've got one D1 uh, commit on their roster. Um, Richard Hopping, Azusa Pacific. Actually, that might not be D1. I think that might be a D2 school. But at any rate, an outstanding athlete if you're being recruited at the collegiate level. Um, the Westview Wolverines will play next Friday, January 4th at home against the Carlsbad Lancers. Rancho Bernardo had a big win over Banning, 57-40 to 40 on December 29th. They're going to be playing Westview on January 11th. Del Norte uh, had a win over San Diego Academy, 63-46 to 46, back on December 21st. Their next game is January 2nd at 2 o'clock against Tri-City Christian. Mount Carmel, they suffered a defeat uh, to Tribuco Hills in the Holiday Classic at the Mount Tournament. The score... 59 to 40. That game was on December 28th. They'll be playing Fallbrook on Wednesday the 2nd at 5:30. And then Mission Vista had a big victory over Junction City. This is a team from Oregon. Not sure if this game was in a tournament or if the Oregon team was simply traveling to SoCal to get in some good quality competition, but Mission Vista with the big victory, 49 to 44. Their next game is at Ramona Wednesday the 9th at 7 p.m. As for the girls, Poway, again, at the top of the Palomar League standings. Westview second, RB third. It's like a mirror copy of the boys. So Poway girls at first place, 13-5 and five in Palomar League play. The, the Lady Westview Wolverines at 11-6. Ranch Bernardo Broncos, 10-6. Mission Vista at 5-2. What's the Mission Vista... Um, Mascot, I think it's the Timberwolves, if I remember correctly. Um, so the Lady Timberwolves in fourth in Palomar League play at five and two. Del Norte Nighthawks at ten and eight, and Mount Carmel at four and eight. Those are our current standings in the Palomar League play. Uh, Poway recently defeated Olympian, a school in South County, San Diego. The score fifty to forty-five in the SoCal Holiday Prep Classic tournament. That game on December 29th. This tournament has eight different divisions, and the Poway uh, uh, girls team is slotted in the fourth ranked division, and they had the victory over Olympian. Um, Poway Titans player Neil with 24 points. Their next game is at Poway, and that's against Mount Carmel. So, yeah, we're getting into Palomar League play. That game will be January 8th at 5.30. The Lady Wolverines from Westview, they took a loss in that same SoCal Holiday Prep Classic tournament, a loss to North Creek. This is a team from the state of Washington, Final score, 70-35. to 35. Um, Their next game is at Del Norte, Tuesday, January 8th, 5.30 p.m. So here we go. Local rivalries kicking in. This Palomar League play is going to be great. Um, Rancho Bernardo, uh, their most recent game, the, the Lady Broncos lost to Torrey Pines, 41-39 to 39 in the NAIA division of the SoCal Holiday Prep Classic. Torrey Pines, man, those guys, uh, those girls... They're just such a great program and frustrating to play them because they're always good. It, it seems, like I said, when they have a down year for them, that's average to everybody else. But Ranch Bernardo came up just two points short against Tory. Um, Ranch Bernardo features a college recruit, Lauren Reynolds, and she's going to be going to uh, Rensselaer Polytech Institute. So she is already signed with that school. So we have some talent at Rancho Bernardo. Uh, that's great. Their next game is against uh, or is at Holtville High School Wednesday, January 2nd at 3 p.m. And I was wondering, 
where in the heck is Holtville? And it's out in the Imperial Valley, and it's just east of El Centro. So they're going to hop on one of those Poway Unified school buses and make the two-and-a-half to three-hour trek over the mountains. So we got rain today on New Year's Eve, so hopefully there's not too much snow as you go over the hill. But their game is Wednesday, January 2nd. Um, Mission Vista defeated Chowchilla 45-27 to on Saturday the 29th in the West Coast Jamboree Tournament. Their next game will be hosting Oceanside Friday the January 4th, um, and that'll be at 7 p.m. at Mission, Villa, Mission Vista High School. And Del Norte lost 41-40 to against El Toro in the NCAA Blue Division of the SoCal Holiday Prep Classic on Saturday, December 29th. Del Norte forward Maya Westbrook, 10 points for the Lady Nighthawks. Next game is versus Ramona at home at Del Norte, Saturday, January 5th at 7. The Mount Carmel Sun Devils, they uh, took it on the chin against another local team, Scripps Ranch. The final score, 44-32. That game Friday, December 28th. Their next game, as I said earlier, Mount Carmel will be at Poway, Tuesday, January 8th at 5.30. So the basketball season here for high school sports kicking in. Palomar League play is going to start heating up, so I'm going to try to make it out to the Poway Gym. Love going to the Poway RB games, whether they're at Poway or at RB. Those are just great entertainment. So maybe I'll bring the John Riley Project there, live stream some games, and we'll see what kind of adventures we can get into at those uh, gymnasiums. Hey, let's talk Ironman Triathlon. Um, I spoke a little bit about this. My daughter, Shannon Riley, she's an Ironman triathlete. Um, she's on the Cal Poly San Luis Obispo triathlon team. We went out to the Palm Desert area for an Ironman 70.3 event. Um, this was on Sunday, December 9th. I, I actually created a one-minute video that sort of summarized the event. I encourage you to check it out. It's on my YouTube channel. Just look up John Riley Project. And, you know, this is a 70.3-mile event. It's a 1.2-mile swim a 56-mile bike ride, and a 13.1-mile run. That's a half marathon. It's, called, it's considered a half Ironman or a 70.3. Those two terms are used interchangeably. Um, Shannon had a great event. She finished in six hours and eight minutes and 54 seconds. That put her in the top half of her age um, and her age group, You know, women between the ages of 18 and 24. She had a great outing, a great improvement over her previous half Ironman that um, she did over the summer in British Columbia. So good for her. Um, but these events are fantastic. Lots of energy and tremendous athletes, athletes that are just driven, multi-sport athletes. They swim, they run, they bike, and uh, just unbelievably focused. Uh, so the event itself was great. Um, you know, they took over the whole La Quinta and um, Indian Wells area of, um, of the Coachella Valley. Streets were blocked off. I mean, it was a major logistics coordination for the um, event organizers to pull this off. We woke up, my wife and I, we attended, and we, we woke up at, I think, 4.30 in the morning and hopped on a bus and got out to the lake, uh, saw the swim. I think the swimmers were in the water by about 7 a.m., and then it continued throughout the morning and early afternoon. Uh, but just unbelievable energy. We we were at all the transition points along the race. And you hear people, you know, family, friends, even the locals cheering the racers on. 
people with cowbells. It's almost like, you know, when you're watching the Winter Olympics and the people are coming down the bobsled run and you hear those cowbells going. So, hey, man, more cowbell. I got a fever, you know, so uh, we had a lot of that at that event. So it was just fantastic. Um, so I encourage you to check out my video on the John Riley Project YouTube channel. Uh, but Shannon Riley, my daughter, did a great job. Very proud of her. Um, she's going to be participating in the UC San Diego Triton Man Triathlon in February. That's a collegiate level. So it's a shorter distance triathlon, far less than the 70.3. Then in March, we're going to be heading up to San Luis Obispo for the MTS um, triathlon. And that's the one that this Cal Poly San Luis Obispo team is the host. So they don't actually participate, but they're actually running the event. I got roped into being the announcer. Help me, God. So hopefully that goes well. And then in May, she's going to be heading up to Santa Rosa to do a full triathlon. So that's going to be 140.6 miles in one day. So She's training, working hard, um, so I'll definitely be sharing some of that here on the John Riley Project. That's coming up in May. Um, I want to do some local baseball shout-outs. Um, Alex Dickerson, Poway High alumni, Titan alumni. Um, hey, we're really happy that you re-signed with the Padres, and we know you you got your career. It's had a bit of a rocky start. We've been, been bit by the injury bug, but when you've been in the lineup, your bat has been tremendous. I saw that home run um, in Toronto on the upper deck. Um, Alex, you've got great talent, and the injury bug has bitten you, and the Padres roster is kind of going through some evolution. Uh, I was very happy that the Padres re-signed you, so you're part of the family, and I know you've been given an invitation to Major League Camp, so uh, we'll see you out in Peoria. But uh, kudos to you, Alex Dickerson. You've got a great future still in front of you. And then also a big shout out to Poway Titan alumni, Connor Joe. Um, he was recently taken in the Major League Baseball Rule 5 draft. Um, that means that he was uh, basically claimed from one team to another. You know, he was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, about a year or two ago, he was traded to uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The uh, Cincinnati Reds just cherry-picked him in the Rule 5 draft, what that means is, is that the Reds need to keep him on the Major League roster for the entire season, otherwise he reverts back to the Dodgers minor league season, so or the minor league system. So, uh, Connor Joe, hey, you've got your shot at the show. So hopefully it's a lot more than a cup of coffee. You're there for the whole season. I know you're a corner infielder. Um, you got Joey Votto at first, but there could be some opportunities at third and maybe in some other spots on the roster. So Connor Joe, congratulations uh, for getting up to the major league level. And we hope you have a great spring training and a great 2019 season representing not only the Poway Titans, but the entire Palomar League and San Diego County. So good for you, Connor. Hey, talking about baseball, let's talk about the Padres at the winter meetings. And I think a lot of us came into this these winter meetings that just happened a couple of weeks ago. We were thinking A.J. Preller was going to be rock star GM, was going to be making a lot of big moves. There have been rumors swirling around, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to be trading away more prospects? Are they going to be signing free agents? But then the the winter um, meetings ended up being pretty quiet for the Padres, despite all the rumors. Um, there was one major signing, and that was Ian Kinsler. Um, he's a second baseman. He was actually a 2018 Gold Glove winner. Um, so he's a great defensive player. Um, he's had a great offensive history, but he's getting a little long in the tooth. 
if memory serves me, he's 37 years old. He'll be 38 by opening day, which for a major league ball player, you know, that's, you know, on the tail end of the career for certain. Um, but he's a veteran. Um, he's uh, been in the playoffs. He's had great success individually. So I, I'm hopeful that he can be a great uh, veteran presence, especially since the Padres are going to have two uh, rookie middle infielders in Luis Orias and uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. So I think that Ian Kinsler can be that steadying force. And it looks like Tatis is not going to be brought up until about May so the Padres can retain him and have another year of control. So I think we're going to see a starting lineup with Kinsler at second. And they're talking about Urias uh, starting at shortstop, at least for the first couple of months of the season. So Kinsler is going to be playing a role. I'm hopeful that he will eventually have a similar role that Chase Utley has had for the Dodgers over these past few years. That veteran off the bench that can be a great defensive substitution, a great bat off the bench, but also a veteran leader in the clubhouse, in the dugout. So I'm hoping that Ian Kinsler plays that role. But you know, this is a guy that's been a double-digit home run guy. He's versatile. Um, maybe, we may even see him playing a little bit of third base. We know third base is an interesting spot for the Padres. But you know, the offseason, what, what's going to happen? I mean, there's been rumors the Padres are maybe going to sign th- or trade for Thor, you know, Noah Syndergaard. Um, maybe they were going to trade for, um, you know, Bauer from the Indians, or maybe it was Marcus Stroman from the Toronto Blue Jays. There's even been rumors of a trade for JT Real Muto, who's the outstanding catcher. For the, for the Miami Marlins, and you're thinking, why would they trade for a catcher when they've already got Austin Hedges and the new guy, Francisco Mejia, who was the top-ranked uh, catcher in all of the minor leagues last year? Seems to me that A.J. Preller is just looking to make deals, and he's got his finger in the pot of just about every deal, looking for value for value opportunities. So I think that's great. I mean, a lot of people are speculating why the Padres haven't made any huge splashes yet, I think Preller is looking to make savvy trades, to not give away the farm like we've done both literally and figuratively in the past with the Padres. Uh, but there are other people that, are, that I know that are in the know, that are well-connected in Major League Baseball, that think that maybe A.J. Preller might be a little bit gun-shy. Maybe is he scared? People are wondering. You know, Maybe he, he's afraid to pull the trigger on a big trade. I tend to think that you know, it's still early, um, the longer this offseason unwinds and unfolds, we'll see teams get a little bit more desperate as uh, spring training looms. So, you know, we still have six weeks until pitchers and catchers report. So a lot of things can happen. It's still early. Um, but, hey, what about Manny Machado? You know, the, the you, we've often thought that the Padres had no chance of signing any of the gigantic big names for big money. But the Padre roster construction is very different now. I mean, you've got a couple of highly paid players in Eric Hosmer and um, and Will Myers. But beyond that, most of the other players, with the exception of a few guys in the bullpen, are all like you know major league minimum or just a little bit above that. Their roster has flexibility. Could they sign a guy that's a $20 million a year guy or even a $25 or $30 million a year guy? I think they can. I mean... They'd be putting their eggs in one basket, but you know the math can work. So could they sign Bryce Harper? Well, they got too many outfielders. That doesn't make sense. But could they sign Machado? And we saw what Machado can do on the field defensively. He was a great short—well, he's been on third base for the Orioles forever. But when he came to the Dodgers, we saw him in the World Series. He did some great things defensively at shortstop. 
But we also saw his character, and he was a bit of a punk out there. So um, there might be some hesitancy, but imagine a left side of the infield with Machado and Tatis Jr. And you can decide who's shortstop, who's third base. But think about the defensive and offensive production that those two people could have in the Padre lineup. So it's fun to speculate. You know, what is the Padre 25-man roster going to be? I'd love to have this conversation with some of you super fans. Um, and I've spoken to some of you. Hey, why don't you join me here in the John Riley Project? Let's have a sit-down conversation in front of the microphone, in front of the camera, and have some fun with it. But for now, let me tell you what I think the Padre 25-man roster should be. If it were up to me, if I were the GM, this is what I'd do. I'd have 12 position players and 13 pitchers. So you figure of the 12 position players, you've got five um, that are going to start, or excuse me, you'd have eight that are going to start and you'd have four bench guys. So for me, and this is the starting lineup on opening day, and let's make that a caveat. Let's assume Tatis Jr. is going to be at the AAA level on opening day. Then um, the Padres have already said they're likely going to do that, so they would retain another year of eligibility. We know Tatis Jr. is going to probably come up in May. He's probably going to be slotted onto the left side of the infield, probably shortstop. But for now, let's assume that he's not there on the opening day roster. So we've got Eric Hosmer at first. We've got Ian Kinsler at second base. Luis Urias can move over to shortstop, and he's been uh, had a great history at shortstop. He can play that position. And then third base, imagine it's Machado. Imagine that. That's a great infield. And then when Tatis Jr. comes on board, then you slide Urias over to second base and Kinsler goes to the bench and is that veteran leader, that guy off the bench, that steadying force uh, that can really help out the coaching staff. That's a great uh, plan. But for the record, let's just assume that they don't sign Machado. What do they got at third base? They've got nobody. They let go of Villanueva. You know, Myers had dabbled with it. Um, but I think we all know that Will Myers is a great athlete. He had some success playing first base. He was a shortstop, um, even in the minor leagues for a time being and in, and, and in high school. Could he learn third base at the major league level? Well, they thrust it upon him. And, you know, he wasn't um, an elite third baseman by any means. He made a few miscues. But I think the guy has an opportunity to prove himself over the offseason. So if the Padres don't make any deals for third baseman, let's assume Will Myers is there because we want his bat. The guy still has so much upside. And trading Will Myers would, would really, we'd have to take it on the chin in a trade. Um, I'm a big Will Myers fan. I think he's got a lot of opportunity in front of him. The only thing that's getting in his way is, his, is himself. It's his mind that gets in the way. So I'm hopeful that as he matures, his bat is going to be far, far better. And I think he has the athleticism to play third base because we saw glimpses of it in his um, you know, sort of debut at the position um, at the tail end of last year. But, you know, what are the other alternatives? They've been talking about trading for a variety of different third basemen in Major League Baseball, but every one of those teams is going to want the King's ransom and prospects. And I don't know if that really makes a lot of sense for the Padres. So I say, sign Machado. And if you don't, then let's just stick with Myers and let's see how it plays out. Um, there's still some adequate third basemen in the minor league system. We've got one really good one that's... Um, I think at the double-A level, and his name is escaping me, but there's still another guy, Ty France, that can slot into that position. I think he's a San Diego State Aztec alumni, so he'd be a great guy to see there as well. 
But um, hey, let's do Machado. If Machado's not there, let's stick with Myers because we got a whole bunch of out, outfield options. Um, now, as far as the infield, I think you know they signed Greg Garcia over the offseason. He's going to fill that utility role position. He can play anywhere on the infield. And then there's got to be one more infielder. I don't know who that is. Is that Javier Guerra? You know, we, we've seen that he can play shortstop at a very elite level defensively. His bat's not there. He can certainly play second. You know, is there some other guy that could fill that role? Is it, God forbid, Jose Perella? Is he going to be surviving? And will he fill that that last role in the infield? I'm not sure, but I'm sure they can find someone to slot in there. But what about the catchers? Now, right now we've got two I think we consider to be above average catchers. Austin Hedges, defensively, a star. Offensively, had a great second half. Um, and I think there's hope that he can turn that bat around and be a productive for the entire 2019 season. At the AAA level, he was like, you know, a triple crown threat at the AAA level. Couldn't he do it at the major league level? Meanwhile, you've got Francisco Mejia, who was the top-rated catcher in all of the minor leagues. We got him from the Indians in that trade for Brad Hand and Adam Simber. We saw what Mejia can do. I mean, that guy can turn on a uh, from the left-handed batting spot on a low inside fastball. We saw him launch them into right field. He's got Gary Sheffield bat speed. So Francisco Mejia could be something as well. I'm of the opinion you probably don't want to keep both of them on the roster because you're going to end up stunting the development of the other one. So I think you keep one and you trade the other. And we'll get to that. I'm, I'm not, I think you can make the argument as far as who we keep and who we trade. But let's, for the sake of a roster construction, assume it's one of them. And then we get a backup catcher. And I don't know if that's um, A.J. Ellis, who we had last year, who was a great kind of coach off the bench, another veteran leader, or if it's um, Austin Allen that we're promoting from the minors, who's a great player. He might be still a year away. Um, or maybe it's some other catcher that can fill that backup role and play about you know one-third of the games behind the dish. We'll see. But I'm making an assumption in my roster. They keep one of the Hedges Mejia, and they trade the other in a package, which I'm going to share with you. Um, the outfield, here's how I'd like to see it shake out. And um, let's assume for a moment that they sign Machado. That's the dream scenario. So then Myers is on the roster. You put Myers in left. He played left field defensively at a very high level last year when he was out there. I think center field, I think the Padres have got to make a decision Manny Margot has had multiple years of opportunity. We all know he is a defensive whiz. The bat just hasn't been there, and we've all hoped that he could be that top-of-the-order plate setter kind of guy. Um, He's struggled on the base paths. Is he going to develop into that center fielder we all hoped? Meanwhile, we've got Franchi Cordero, um, who has shown insane power and unbelievable athleticism. He can play center field, and you know he's not the defensive star of um, of uh, Manny Margot, but his bat is light years ahead and has huge upside. So I'm I'm figuring you know the Padres aren't going to contend for a World Series in 2019. Let's put Franchi Cordero in center field. Let's take Margot, who still has great value, great reputation. Let's package him with one of the catchers, and you know, I'm going to share more on that, and we're going to put them in a deal. And then in right field, we've got a choice between Framil Reyes and um, Hunter Renfro. 
Both guys that have shown tremendous power. Uh, Reyes showing a little bit more uh, pitch selection, a little bit better on base percentage, has made better adjustments than Renfro. Let's say we are able to use one of them in right field, ideally Reyes, and we package the other in a deal, perhaps Renfro. So now we've got, in a potential deal, Margot, Renfro, one of the catchers, either either Hedges or Mejia, and maybe we package in a minor leaguer and do a four for one to go out and get an elite number one starter like a Cindergard, like like a um, Marcus Stroman, um, like any of the two uh, uh, primary pitchers for the Indians, including Kluber. So I think we try to make a deal to construct um, major league ready talent including at least one lottery ticket of a good prospect. We, our, our system is loaded. We can al allow one of those to go and package that into a frontline starter. And that's how I think we need to construct the pitching staff. So the way that I would do it is we would have this number one yet to be determined, Syndergaard, Kluber, Stroman, someone of that ilk. Then you've got Lucchese, Joey Lucchese. You've got Eric Lauer. You got Matt Strom, who I think is ready to make the leap from the bullpen to the starting rotation. And in that fifth spot, I think you let Jacob Nix and Brian Mitchell battle it out. And if Nix wins that battle, then Brian Mitchell can't be optioned to the minors. I think you cut bait and say that's an experiment that didn't work. But if Brian Mitchell lives up to his reputation and the talent that he really does have, then I think you can tell Nix to play at AAA and kind of let him percolate and uh, continue to blossom at, at the minor league level, and his opportunity will come up. And we all know pitchers get hurt, they go on the DL. So the the top two or three pitchers at the AAA level are all kind of part of this turnstile. They're going to get their major league opportunity. But I'm just saying, what's our opening day roster? So I'd say it'd be one of Nick's or Mitchell in the number five spot. Now, keep in mind that we got three other pitchers that are going to be promoted in 2019. Chris Paddock, who appears to be an unbelievable pitcher. I like this guy's swagger, the way he shows up for games, tightly dressed in a, in a cowboy hat. He's something. Um, and then we've got uh, Logan Allen, another outstanding pitcher that came over in that same uh, Craig Kimbrell trade that brought us Margot and Aswahe and Guerra. Um, and then Cal Quantrill, the number eight overall draft pick a few years back, uh, major League uh, pedigree, you know, his father pitching the majors. He's a guy that I think everyone thought so highly of. He's progressed through the minor leagues, has not been as outstanding as everyone thought he would be, but there's still great faith in that kid. Could any one of those three guys make the move up into the starting rotation? I think they could, and I think they'll have that opportunity because the top five starters never always work out perfectly. But the beauty is, is that the Padres have so much talent. Their pitching staff could be reminiscent of the, of the Atlanta Braves from the 1980s. You know, you get that one number one, like the way the, the Braves went out and got Greg Maddox from the Chicago Cubs. And then they had Glavin and Smoltz and Steve Avery. We can do the same. I mean, Lucchese, Lauer, Strom, Nix, Mitchell, Paddock, Allen, Quantrill, any of those guys could fill that spot. Um, so there's a chance that the starting rotation for the Padres, if all the stars align, could be similar to the uh, to the Atlanta Braves of the 1990s. So here I am, Padre fan, glass half full. Um, so that's how I see the starting rotation playing out. The to-be-announced guy, the number one guy is open. 
then Lucchese, Lauer, Strom, and then either Nick uh, Nix or Mitchell in the number five spot. And he's still got two guys that are that are touted that are on the disabled list in Denilson Lamette and then the recently signed Garrett Richards. Those guys are potential number one starters in and of themselves. Um, we might see them at the tail end of 2019, but chances are we're not going to see those guys um, really until spring training of 2020. So there's a lot of there's a lot cooking, um, and then oh my God, if we go down into the lower minors at the uh, low A and high A level, and even at the double A level, there is insane talent. You know, Mackenzie Gore, Ryan Weathers, Adrian Morahone. I mean, we can go on and on of the pitching talent. The Padres are blessed there. So that's you, you really need to stock up on pitching because we know how volatile pitching talent can be. Um, so those are the five starters. Remember I said there'd be 13 pitchers. That leaves eight in the bullpen. And the bullpen, this is the area we don't expect too much turnover. The bullpen for the Padres has historically been terrific, thanks to um, uh, pitching coach Darren Balsley. We've got Kirby Yates. We've got Craig Stammen, Jose Castillo. Uh, we've got Strock, you know, shown great promise. I was at the uh, uh, his uh, major league debut at AT&T Park against the Giants when the Padres played there last June. Brought the family out there with one of my college buddies. We had a great time at the ballpark. So Strock is a definite reliever, hits 100 miles an hour, and and they've even said he could even start, depending on if they have a need for him to start. He can do it. Um, then you got Trey Wingenter, um, the big, you know, he's like the farm boy from Nebraska, just like they had in the movie The Natural. So he could be fantastic. Uh, Phil Maton, uh, that weak kid, I can't remember his first name, but he's definitely a bullpen talent. And then let's say Gerardo Reyes is one of the young guys that makes it. Those are your eight in the bullpen, the 13 on the pitching staff. I think that could be a pretty good roster. I think that's a good step forward. Um, and as that talent develops and blossoms, I think they can make a, a big step you know, towards a 500 season. And that's all I ask. San Diego Padres, just play better than 500. I don't expect the world from you, but show that progression. And I think they have an opportunity to do that this year. The division, the National League West, is a little bit down. So there are opportunities. Um, so again, I welcome... Any Padres super fans, um, coaches, uh, players, you want to join me on the John Riley Project, we'll have a sit-down conversation and we'll talk about the Padre roster for 2019. We'll talk about their uh, projections for 2020, 2021, all that hot talent lava. We'll take a look at what the roster is going to look like, but let's have some fun with it, especially as we get towards spring training. Um, the last team I want to touch on, and I not even sure I really want to go there, but let's talk about the Chargers. Uh, boy, mixed feelings about this team. I think when they moved out of town, I had written them off. But sure enough, they're playing well. They're in the playoffs. There you go. There's the San Diego sports curse, right? I talk about that a lot. They The Chargers stunk to high heaven for their final years here in San Diego. They move up to L.A., and sure enough, they're in the playoffs. They just about won the AFC West. They've got a tough assignment. They're going um, cross-country to play at Baltimore against their number one defense, against Eric Weddle, who's got something to say um, against the, the Chargers. But it's been a lot of chitter-chatter on Twitter. Um, you know, people with mixed feelings now that the Padres are playing well. There's people that have been jumping back on the bandwagon. There have been other people, whether it's um, Derek Torgerson from KNSD Channel 739 or the, the Union Tribune's editorial board, there have been 
coaching fans on what they should root for or not root for. You should root for the players, Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates, or don't root for any of them because it's, it's, you know, Dean Spanos. And so it's just so much controversy. Um, I, I have gotten to the point where my interest in the NFL have been declining the last couple of years. For football, I've been following more of the Aztecs, uh, paying more attention to college football. Um, and then once the Padres moved, you know, I, I don't, it used to be Charger football was must-see TV on Sundays, no longer. So if the game's on in the background, I'll watch it. Um, you know, I, I saw some of the Twitter chatter on that Thursday night game against Kansas City. So I flipped on the TV. I caught the fourth quarter. Uh, that was an amazing comeback by the Chargers. I'll give them credit. So going to the playoffs, to me, the Chargers are just another team. They're the Chiefs, the Patriots, the the Bears, the Saints. You know, they're kind of, I don't have an emotional connection with any of them. Um, I figure once the Chargers left town, I was reverting back to my childhood teams, which are the 49ers and Raiders, because I was raised in the Bay Area. Those two teams had an awful season. So whatever happens, I, I guess I'm kind of looking forward to college basketball ramping up. I'm looking forward to spring training starting. I'm looking forward to high school basketball, Palomar League play kicking in. Uh, but I'll, I'll pay attention to NFL football. I'll go to a Super Bowl party, fill out some squares in a pool and have some fun with it. But, you know, this is just the San Diego sports curse, right? The Chargers were awful. They moved. They're in the playoffs. I need to do a podcast just on the San Diego sports curse. I mean, with the, with the Padres and, and their challenges and, you know, the, the Clippers moving out of town, the Chargers moving out of town, the Holy Roller, the, the Daring uh, Carrington interception that um, shouldn't have happened in that playoff game against the Patriots. I mean, we can make a list of all the oddball, weird things, terrible things that have happened to San Diego professional sports and that have prevented the uh, local teams from ever winning a major championship in one of the pro sports um, leagues. And, I, and for you the fans of the San Diego soccer, no disrespect, but I'm really talking baseball, football, basketball. Um, that needs to be a podcast in and of itself. That'd be a fun one to have with someone here in a conversation, but I'll probably put together a list and at least share that with you in a solo podcast. So with that, that concludes episode 26 of the John Riley Project. Um, all sports this time. I've been doing a lot of local politics. I'm going to be touching on national politics. I'm going to have more guests coming in. We've got a couple of them lined up, uh, but I invite you to continue the conversation on social media. Visit my website, John Riley Project. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send me a note. Um, but I do wish you all a, a safe New Year's Eve and a fantastic and uh, prosperous 2019. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day. Goodbye.